You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed, bordering on dejected, bordering on despondent episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers drop another must-win game to the Michigan Wolverines 75-63 to at home in Simon Scott Assembly Hall. It means that in 80 minutes of basketball this season, Michigan outscored Indiana by 42 points. Uh, it is Indiana's fourth loss at home at Simon Scott Assembly Hall this year, uh, and you have to think it all but ends Indiana's NCAA tournament hopes, barring uh, a miraculous and certainly unexpected run in the Big Ten tournament. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Michael Dugan, and we are going to break this game down for you today. Uh, just a, a thoroughly disappointing performance from Indiana, um, and as we'll discuss here in a little bit, I thought hearing Tom Crean's comments to Don Fisher before the game, he sounded like a coach a little bit on edge and a little bit worried about how his team would play. And if he was indeed worried, especially about how the starters would play, uh, those worries certainly came to fruition. But we start the show out the same way every single show, and we're not going to change it now just because the team is struggling. We will start with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, and fight with all of our might to find something positive uh, from this game to focus on. Uh, and actually, I don't think it's too hard to find uh, something to focus on from a positive standpoint for Indiana. Uh, and it's Deron Davis, who once again was a bright spot in an otherwise really, really dark month uh, of basketball for Indiana. But I thought what we saw from him, certainly in the first half, and then at the beginning of the second half, when Indiana actually showed a few gasps of life, uh, a few breaths of life, uh, that maybe they could come back and maybe they could salvage something from this game, it was because of Deron Davis, uh, who scored the first five second half points for Indiana, helped Indiana cut it to a six-point game. Uh, he was essentially, for a portion of this game, unstoppable. Indiana would get it to him on the block. He was effective. He has improved uh, at his ability. He's been good all season at backing guys down, being patient, getting himself into a position to score, but he's getting more effective now in the second half of the season, at getting the ball up on the rim and actually scoring uh, or getting fouled and getting to the free throw line. And that is a good sign for Indiana because while this season certainly seems like, like it is over for all intents and purposes, you know, in terms of making the NCAA tournament and all of those things, as you start looking to the future, Deron Davis continues to look like a really solid building block uh, to build around. Um, and again, it wasn't a perfect game for him today, but 13 points. He did have a couple of offensive rebounds. He struggled more later in the second half uh, when Michigan started doubling him more um, and then didn't play a ton down the stretch. Uh, but I thought for a stretch there, he was as impressive as he's been all season um, and a continuing bright spot for this Indiana basketball team. And tonight's today's banner moment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone 
who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. They actually have a really, really awesome uh, Abe Lincoln t-shirt, which is great as we celebrate uh, Abraham Lincoln's birthday. They also have a cool Assembly Call zip-up hoodie, which is new on there in the Assembly Call section. Uh, so definitely go check them out. Again, that is HoosierProud.com. .com. Alrighty, well, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, over to you, your bottoms line on another disappointing Indiana loss. Well, Jared, I commend you for still trying to find a positive to come out of these in the banner moment. So, Yeah, dude, what uh, are you doing? You don't speaks, have to do that anymore. We'll absolve you. to your character, because I'm not sure Ryan and I are going to be able to be so positive. Um, I, I mean... It all comes back to the same thing we said the other night. This team is at a point where the stars have to be stars, and they they were anything but today. Um, and that's not an indictment of these kids, but they did not play well again. Um, Blackman, Johnson, and Morgan this time. It was really Blackman and, and Johnson uh, again in the Purdue game. But you know they finished seven of twenty two from the field, three of fourteen from three point range between the uh, three of them, and scored nineteen points, and um, none of them more than eight. And you need look no further than the first half when IU really fell behind, really came out, didn't seem to really want any part of the fight that Michigan had clearly brought to the game. And uh, and Johnson and Blackman were both scoreless in the first half. Johnson, I don't think, even took a shot. And I think um, while some of Blackman's question marks could be injury-related, is he still struggling with the knee, which I think he probably is to a certain extent, um, Johnson's appears to be somewhat a, a crisis of confidence. It seems like at times that there were shots that seemed like he would normally take that he, you know, that he didn't. Uh, he did contribute with seven points and four assists, and at times was able to make some plays. I thought played a lot better in the second half than he did in the first. But um, the IU just can't, and, and I don't think that has anything to do with injuries. I mean, if in any game when the rest of the roster was healthy, if those three guys played like that, uh, I don't know that IU would win. So while the the injury piece is a familiar refrain. Uh, I think it, 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 I, I struggle to think that that has a lot to do with it. And in a game that IU needed to win, had to win, they led for zero minutes and zero seconds. And I think that tells you pretty much all you need to know about where the season sits at this point. Ryan, over to you. Your rant brought to us by the big lead.com. Uh, I tweeted this out and I think it stands true. I tweeted out about midway through the, the second half. I just said, this is unacceptable from everybody. There was, you know, I mean, you're right. Deron Davis played a nice game. Um, other than that, there was nothing acceptable about today's loss uh, and about the way they played. And there's nothing acceptable about losing four games at home this year. Maybe they should take the, the Simon Scott off of Assembly Hall and just go back to calling it Assembly Hall. And maybe that's the issue. I don't know. But this team we could be not, like Duke and just not let the team into Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Yeah, you know, uh, take off the logos, you know, all that stuff. Uh, clearly, that worked for them because Coach K is such a wonderful guy. Um but hey, it's a rant. I'm allowed. There's going to be Coach K before the first break. That's how you know things have gone bad with an Indiana. Hey man, game. it's a rant. You, People, I don't know if you heard, but uh, but Duke's back. Big redemption story. So not sure if you uh, picked up on that. Yeah, really, really great that a team full of five stars is uh, is being the plucky underdog now. Um, no, I. Uh, it's this is just unacceptable, and I think that the unacceptable part is that this team hasn't gotten better. I mean, yeah, you're missing guys, and there are injuries, and we talked about that on the radio show we talked about that last week and yeah that's going to impact the team and it's going to impact the team's ceiling but this team should still be beating michigan at home i mean the, you know there's no question about that michigan is not that good 16 and 9 6 and 6 in conference i mean this is not a this is 
you know, this, this isn't a Purdue or a, a Wisconsin where they're blowing the doors off people. Um, except for IU apparently. Um, so I, this is, it's, it's unacceptable top to bottom. And you've got to start thinking now with the talent level of this team being 15 and 11, five and eight in conference and looking at a long, long road to get to the NCAA tournament. Now you got to start thinking long-term and you got to start thinking about, uh, about possibly making a change. Cause this is, this, this program has been too up and down for too long. And, and, and this is, it's an unacceptable situation. You can't lose four home games in the big 10 in a single season. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care how difficult the schedule is. You can't lose four home games unless you're going to sweep the games on the road. And IU hasn't done that. So, um, I think I really think it's time to start thinking about the future and, and thinking about making a change because this team has shown no growth and that's on the coaching staff. It is. Uh, all right, let's go over to Michael's Minute uh, with Michael Dugan, brought to us by the Hoosier Life. Michael, you did not go to today's game, obviously. Uh, I'm sure you're not regretting that decision terribly right at this moment. Not at this point in time, no. Uh, and I, I fully anticipate that there will be a lot of criticism for the remaining hour, 55 minutes, whatever it is of this show. So I'm going to try and do something a little positive here. I want to talk about Josh Newkirk for a second. You're welcome, Jared. I want to talk about Josh Newkirk for a second. And, you know, I, the Josh Newkirk that we saw from November, frankly, up until Big Ten play, was not a point guard that we, you know, thought would be a good fit for this team. He struggled basically in all areas. And what I've noticed, first of all, since the Northwestern game, Indiana is first of all one and three. Uh, but Josh Newkirk is averaging 17 points per game, and he's taking more threes. He's taking more field goals. He's hitting the boards better. He had eight rebounds against Purdue, which basically kept IU in the game. Um, but overall, he, I think he's just playing more aggressive. He's driving to the rim with a purpose as opposed to what we've seen from him and James Blackman kind of driving, not knowing what you're going to do, and then leave your feet and see if there's someone open. He's driving with a purpose. He's finishing pretty well at the 10, and he's occasionally knocking down threes. He had two pretty crucial threes against Purdue that were momentum changers or tried to be momentum changers. Uh, he was four of six against Wisconsin from three. Um, and he's just scoring better. I think he's playing with a purpose. He, he's kind of finding his role in this offense. And especially today when the guards were so horrible and against Purdue when the guards were so bad, you know, this is a guy that ha has, who's had a big a rough start to the season. And I think he's start of, excuse me, starting to come into his own with his role in the offense. And it, it's good to see because he seems to be the only guy other than Deron Davis um, but he's playing with a purpose right now, and I love watching him because he's he's much smarter and more aggressive with the ball than he was, frankly, even a month and a half ago. No, he is playing better. And Michael, I appreciate your uh, dogged commitment to find a positive. And of course, we really should have spread that out more, though. I fear that we've gotten all the positivity out in the first five minutes, and then now it's all downhill from here. So well, maybe we can just revisit those and replay them later in the show when we need a dose of positivity. Well, but here's the reality. I mean, there isn't much positive to say beyond that, you know, and we praised Deron Davis, who I thought played well, but he's a guy who, you know, a big guy who had three rebounds in 14 minutes and Josh Newkirk played 32 minutes at point guard. And while he did do some good things, you know, and, and provided life for Indiana's offense, especially at the very start of the game when Indiana's offense was kind of lifeless. You know, he had 11 points, but he had one assist and four turnovers for, for, you know, for the guy who's playing point guard. So even the guys where we're pointing out positives, it's not like they played at an all Big Ten level, you know, and, and, and you do have to strain to find those. And that is where we are with this Indiana season. And I think that's why Ryan is where he is with what he said earlier. And so we're going to break that down um, and break down everything else from this game and the big picture here coming up on the assembly call. Uh, first, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. 
Buying tickets online for sports and concerts, as you know, has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. Indiana only has one home game left this year. If you want to get to Simon Scott Assembly Hall and watch that game against Northwestern, if the stands from today are any indication, there will be a lot of tickets available. So that is an opportunity for you to do so. Uh, and obviously check out SeatGeek when you do. And if it's your first time using SeatGeek, then you can get a $20 rebate because you are an Assembly Call listener. And the way that you get that is to download the SeatGeek app for an iPhone or an Android, either one. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Michael Dugan. We are breaking down Indiana's 12-point loss to Michigan today. And let's talk about the coach. Um, you know, I, I thought listening to Coach Crean talk with Fish before the game, as I mentioned, he sounded like a coach who was worried about how his team was going to play. I believe the wording that he used uh, with Fish talking about their practice um, on Friday, or it was either practice, yeah, it was the practice Friday. He said we had to jar him out of it a little bit on Friday afternoon. And what he meant by that was that it was kind of a sluggish practice. You know, the guys were still kind of, you know, letting the Purdue loss linger a little bit. Said we had to jar it out of him a little bit Friday afternoon. Saturday, I guess, was a little bit better. He said they cut it short by 30 to 35 minutes because it was such an intense practice. Um, but he did say when Fish asked him about the starters, he said, you know, I think we'll go with the usual guys, but we're going to put that in pencil. Because, you know, I haven't quite decided yet. And if we don't really, you know, get off to a good start and play, I'm not going to be afraid to go to the bench. And that's an odd thing for him to say. He just sounded in his voice, in his words, he sounded like a coach worried about how his team would respond. Uh, and obviously the team didn't respond because they never led. They got off to a slow start. Michigan controlled the game from the tip. They controlled it all the way. Uh, and we've heard that a few times from Crean actually this year. And it seems to be one of those things where he can sense it coming, but can't do anything about it. And look, you know, I grew up with a, a father who's a coach that happens sometimes, you know, but it seems to be happening way more this season with this team than we've seen. Uh, and Andy, as you've mentioned, it's the same problems over and over again, you know, where it's turnovers. Um, you know, today, obviously, some poor shooting hurt Indiana, but, you know, your, your most important players not ready to play, not ready to go. Um, and, and you see some little things like, you know, more buckets, uh, you know, easy buckets on under the basket, out of bounds plays. And just some of those little things that we continue to see from a tactical perspective, from a mindset perspective, you know, we have seen in most Tom Crean seasons, Indiana as a team fade toward the end. Last year was obviously an exception. Um, but we're seeing that again this year, and it's extremely disappointing, and it's hard to have any confidence that it will turn around this year. You know, Andy, I think it's, I think it's obviously fair to be extremely frustrated with the lack of, of ability from a coaching staff perspective to fix the ongoing issues and to have this team ready to play for some of its most important games. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the turnovers, again, I mean, we're all broken records at this point. You know, 15 turnovers lead to 20 Michigan points, um, while eight Michigan, IU forces only eight turnovers against Michigan and it gets six points off of those. Um, Michigan in the second half, I thought really allowed IU to hang around uh, by taking three-point shots, which to me seemed 
you know, ridiculous that, you know, with the ease with which they're getting into the lane, I mean, they were 11 of 16 on twos uh, in the second half, and they just got the ball wherever they wanted it, whenever they wanted to. And it was all based on the same things. It's ball screen defense. It's overhelping. It's poor rotations. It's a guy driving in from the three point line and not one guy is, is close enough to try to draw a charge. Um, and, and then offensively, I think, you know, again, I'm not sure how much injuries have to do with this. I mean, I think offensively they've regressed as well because even in stretches where they played well on defense, they couldn't take advantage because the offense was so stagnant that, you know, it, it seemed like a pretty good formula whenever they got the ball inside to Deron Davis or in the occasion when Thomas Bryant was uh, in the post in this game, they were able to take advantage and find guys if, if they would cut to the basket. The problem was that there were multiple possessions where you've got guys just standing in one spot and even, you know, multiple possessions, they dumped the ball into Davis and you got four guys standing around the three point line, not one of them moving, not one of them looking to do anything. And so for all the discussion around taking care of the basketball and getting better on defense and hard cuts and all that stuff, you you don't see it. You continue to not see it. And I think when you start looking at the the crowd and the kind of apathy that seems to be setting in from the program standpoint you need look no further than that show me how you've gotten better in these areas with whatever personnel you've had uh and while we kind of hung our hats on yeah the defense looked better these last few games um that really wasn't the case today i thought iu only did well defensively uh when michigan made poor decisions a a lot less so than because of things that iu was doing yeah, I agree. Shoot, there was that, you know, uh, where this game was lost for Indiana in a lot of ways is there was a stretch from the under four minute timeout of the first half to the first TV timeout of the second half where Michigan scored a grand total of five points. They were up 33 uh, to 20. They had 38 points at the under 16 minute timeout. Indiana only scored nine points in that entire stretch. I mean, there was that one stretch where Indiana got four or five stops in a row and they just kept missing shot after shot or turning it over. And it was just like, the basketball gods are smiling down upon you saying, despite how poorly you're playing, we're going to give you a chance to come back. But Indiana just couldn't take it. And lack of execution, lack of confidence, all these things rolled into one. You know, Ryan, there was a comment made um, during the game by the announcers. And, and, you know, obviously we've heard about the injuries. We know about the injuries. Indiana has dealt with injuries more than most programs. There's no question. And but the announcers kind of made it sound like injuries almost excused everything. It's like when Indiana's had so many injuries, of course, they're going to lose like this. And of course, they're going to you know, be outscored by you know, 42 points over 80 minutes against Michigan. That's kind of how it came off. And I just thought to myself, you know, the injuries are definitely a reason why Indiana hasn't played as well. It's a reason why, you know, the, the ceiling isn't as great. And it's a reason why they've been out of sync. There's no question injuries hurt and they've hurt the on-court chemistry of this team. But they are not the most important thing. They are not the big story of this season because the injuries, Indiana, was the, the, the seeds of Indiana's poor play, you could see before the injuries. The big issue has been a lack of fundamentals and a lack of ability to improve the most glaring of weaknesses. And it's exasperating. And, you know, he even mentioned, you know, a lot of programs don't want to mention injuries. They don't want to talk about injuries and use them an excuse as an excuse. And unfortunately, our program really isn't one of those. It's a program that doesn't want to give you information about injuries, but certainly has no problem reminding you over and over again of how many injuries you're dealing with. And I can't help but think that if it's being mentioned that much by the coach, I wonder if that has seeped into the players and if it almost gives them an excuse mentality of like, well, you know, here we go again and we don't because I just I see a team that doesn't have the same competitive spirit I would expect. And I feel like you can have that not not from laziness or not from not wanting to play, but when you don't believe. And I feel like this team at times has played like it doesn't believe it's as good as it can be.
Yeah, it's like they have a built-in excuse for when they don't play well, I think. And um, look, injuries, I, you know, and I, I talked about this last week, and, and a lot of people got on me for making excuses. I, I'm just being honest. The injuries have affected the team, and it's lowered the team's ceiling. I don't think that that's controversial at all. That's absolutely true. Does that make losing to Michigan like they did, you know, acceptable? Absolutely not. I've said that as well. Um, I just think that you have to be realistic as far as the injuries go and what they, what their impact on the team is. That said, uh, at some point you've got to overcome that and you've got to grow as a team. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just, a, a situation where they've had injuries to key players for certain stretches. And of course that's going to impact, as you said, the encore chemistry, the way the team plays, all of that. Uh, but at the same time, the guys who are there consistently haven't improved on their problems and, and the things they're missing and, and they haven't developed. So I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I just feel like the entire team is, is sort of like mailing it in now. And, and, and it feels that way. And that, again, that's unacceptable with this much talent. It's completely unacceptable. That this is going to be an NIT team or worse, um, you know, right now. Who knows if they can even make that with their upcoming schedule that's really difficult. And you look at the way they're playing. Uh, I mean, who would have thought that a few months ago? I mean, when, you're, when your two best wins came in the fall and it's February, there's a problem going on. And 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 the best you played came back then, and it's and it's February. It's uh, that's that's really bad, especially for a, a program like Indiana and and a team as talented as Indiana. It's it's not acceptable, and uh, you know someone's going to pay for this. And and it's I I think I think it's time for somebody to pay for it because of the inconsistency year to year in this program. Man, there are some strong comments coming from Tom Crean in this post-game press conference. Let's get to those in just a second, Andy, if you maybe want to round those up. Um, but Michael, quick question for you. You know, uh, Dr. Galen Clavio, who hosted the Illinois show with you, he had a really interesting tweet um, toward the second half that he said this felt a lot like kind of the end of 2006, which was the end of the of the Mike Davis era. Really, you know, probably the, the last time that there was real, real apathy, you know, for Indiana basketball. And I'm just wondering, you know, from a student perspective, being on campus, you know, what do you think a loss like this does? I mean, we already saw, I mean, the balconies were almost totally empty today. You know, things are already not very good. Does a loss like this move the needle anymore or was it already pretty bad? Well, what I can't do is relate to, to 06 because I was only nine. So I don't know how it felt then. And I can't compare that to. All right. To get him out of here. Get him <laughs> out of here. Get, get rid of him. <laughs> My day isn't bad enough. Now you're just reminding me how old I am. What the hell's wrong with you? But I, I will contribute this. Um, I will say that that throughout the game, I, I got a couple tweets and a handful of texts that were basically saying like this is a, a couple of them. You actually all use the word laughable like this is a joke. This team is this team is, you know, just a joke, which I think is extreme. This team is not a joke. Are they playing with a serious lack of effort? Absolutely. Um, but I mean, the, the gist that I'm getting is these students are embarrassed by the team. Um, and, you know, you could argue that they have a reason to be, but there's so little enthusiasm right now. It's, it's, it's frightening compared to what it was against Kansas and, and North Carolina. And frankly, even for that Michigan state game, it, it felt, you know, walking downtown and, and across campus, it felt like that was a huge game again. Uh, but I mean, since then it's, it's felt like there's, there's hardly even a basketball team at all. I mean, the students are just they're they're embarrassed they're they're completely embarrassed by this team and they they wish they could go back to last year 
Andy, uh, let's talk about some of these comments from Crane. I wish I could go like, back to last year, too. <laughs> no, oh, man. You know, and, and this is why I hope everybody savored last year and that group of players, because it was truly a special group of players. Um, and, and, you know, we're seeing it. And, you know, Tom Crane calling out the maturity. I think he said he's never coached a team with this lack of maturity when they face adversity. Apparently, he came out for his post-game press conference quicker than he ever has. Um, Andy, what else are you seeing from Crane's comments? Yeah, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to kind of compile them here. There was that there was that one. There was an immaturity in the backcourt comment. There was one that said something effective. I thought we were in it till the end, which was uh, probably the most insane of of any of them. Uh, some of these others, you know. To to be fair, uh, I'm trying to I I would like to be able to kind of hear the press conference as yeah. it actually goes to see what these are. But I'm just gonna. I'll, I'll kind of run down the ones I tried to go through and and favorite here. Always felt like we're in it until the very end. Our maturity has got to raise. Uh, talks about immaturity in the backcourt after the injuries, which seems kind of strange to me because the injuries have really impacted. I mean, Blackman is back now, but um, never coached a team with this lack of maturity when they face adversity. Kind of said he was trying to bite his tongue. Just I mean, he phrase, really called out the juniors too. Yeah, just used the phrase absolute remedial nonsense to describe some of his team's offensive action. Um, that's going to be the headline for this episode, by the way. Then, Absolute then, remedial nonsense. Yeah, Michael, then, that's the headline, headline for every episode. Yeah. Then, if we then write a book about this season, that may be the name. Yeah, and again, I don't know the order of these, but then seem to kind of come back. One thing I've learned in nine years, it falls on me. I'm not shirking responsibility one iota, which is kind of like I just threw a bunch of people under the bus. If you take these out in the way that you're getting them on Twitter, I just threw a bunch of people under the bus. Now I'm kind of kind of backtrack and say that it's on me. Uh, this is one of those nights. It's back to the drawing board a little bit on how we're going to score points. Um, so those are at least some of the, the ones I had. Yeah, definitely odd for him, particularly after losses, to be at the presser um, that early. And and I think, I don't know, there's just a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot going on. You can, you can tell. There is a lot going on, and it's always hard to judge comments at a press conference after an emotional game like that. But, you know, for him, again, to come out that quickly, to be so strong, criticizing his juniors. I mean, look, we know that that's the case. I mean, we knew that this team was going to go where Robert Johnson and James Blackman Jr. led them. And, you know, I guess here's what I'm having a hard time with. And I want to discuss this when we get back from the break is Robert is a guy who has been so consistent. I mean, for him to be this inconsistent is just out of character for him. You know, and James, he's been terrible against Michigan, but that Michigan State game wasn't that long ago. And he was dynamite that game. Now, again, maybe it's the injury and that sapped something from him. But I just I find it inexplicable, not only that those guys are playing so poorly, but also that, you know, their maturity and th that their leadership are being questioned to this extent. You know, it just makes you wonder maybe what coach is seeing in practice or what, you know, what's bubbling beneath the surface. And I have no idea. You know, I haven't heard anything, but it, and obviously things always seem a lot worse right in the aftermath of a loss and you know they're probably never going to seem as bad as they do right now so uh, ryan let's talk about that when we come back because i want to get your thoughts on it um first i do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should activate your free assembly call membership there are three reasons first it's quick and easy go to assemblycall.com join it'll take you 15 seconds uh, second it's how you get our best content so by joining you'll receive our weekly six banner saturday iu hoops news roundup which continues on into the off season and will keep you uh, updated on everything going on with iu basketball and then you get our detailed post-game analysis emails as well, which we only send to our email subscribers and our members. And then also it's how you connect with us and the Assembly Call community. So there's a great discussion going on in our members chat right now. Our forum has been getting a lot more active and that is members only. But again, it's free. So if you like what you hear on the Assembly Call, becoming a member is the next logical step. Join us for free 
at assemblycall.com slash join. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Michael Dugan. We are, well, I mean, technically this is a post-game show for the IU-Michigan game, but we haven't spent a whole lot of time breaking down that game. Uh, and frankly, I don't know that we need to. I mean, if you guys have individual points about that game that you want to bring up, please jump in, stop me. But Ryan, I want to linger a little bit more on this backcourt issue. Um, because, you know, again, it, it, it's really stark and really strange to hear Crean be so critical in the postgame of these guys. And I, I can't make sense of it because James has always been a guy who can score. And he's, you know, even seeming at times apathetic on the offensive end. So, again, maybe it's injury. We know Robert Johnson was hurt some last year and we didn't get reports of it. So maybe there's something going on with him. Everything just seems off with those guys. And I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe there's something we don't know that helps explain it. But you see comments like that, and to a certain extent, it blows the lid off of that a little bit. Well, it's been that way most of the year, too. That's the problem, is that it, you know, James has had games where he scored well, but he's always had a rough go defensively. Sometimes when he scores early, he'll he'll start playing some defense. But you know, for the most part, he's up and down and inconsistent. He'll he'll score for you, but you know his overall play has been inconsistent. And you know, Robert Johnson has been as inconsistent as anybody on this team. You know, as finally you're getting some maturity out of Newkirk and some focus out of Newkirk, and and he's finally seeming to fit in. And the other guys have dropped off as a result. Uh, you know, it, it, the problem is is that when guys like OG Ananobi and Colin Hartman go down. Uh, and and are, are lost. Other people are. That's an opportunity for some guys to step up and and, and make their presence known. And that just hasn't happened uh, with consistency, at least. Um, you know, you lose a player like that, and those guys that are there behind him or who play with him should look at it as like, okay, this is my chance to make something happen, and this is my chance to to stand out and sort of like rise to the top and rise to the challenge. And nobody on this team has done that, really. I mean, Deron Davis, you could say he's stepped up, but he's been doing what he's doing all season. It's not like he's jumped to another level. He's been this way all year. Um, Jawan Morgan played better, you know, over the has played better over the last couple of days, but he's not playing any to a higher level than we expected um you know the freshman guards have been up and down and have had their their positives and and negatives this year but you know not to a degree where they're making up for losses so um you know this is an opportunity for other guys it's it's been an opportunity for other guys to step up and fill those roles and nobody has and and even even colin hartman you know i mean juan morgan we expected okay juan morgan's gonna be a one-for-one guy there he's just gonna step in and he and og and ob combined will fill that role and and you know juan's been injured and and he has been battling things this year, but even he hasn't really raised his play to a level beyond where he was last year. And and that's a problem. I mean, these guys are supposed to develop year to year, especially when you lose what you lost from last year. And then somebody has to step into a leadership void. And that just hasn't happened. And and that's on the players as much as it is on the coaches. I mean, you know, these kids have to see an opportunity and jump in. Um, that said, it could be possible the coaches aren't fostering an environment where these kids feel comfortable stepping up. And, and, and jumping to that level. So uh, it's hard for me to uh, really hang this all on the players, but the players certainly share blame in it as well. Yeah, you know, and the thing that you worry about when things start going badly like this, you know, is obviously guys, you know, kind of quote unquote quitting on the season. And, you know, I mean, to their credit, Robert Johnson, Deron Davis seem to be saying the right things uh, in the post game, but saying the right things and doing the right things, you know, obviously, clearly uh, another. I mean, Andy, I don't, you know, I. I 
talking in our chat, I asked you what topic you wanted, and you said we can talk about the tournament if you want. And I apologize that my initial reaction to that was to chuckle. Um, yeah. because I don't I, want to talk about the tournament. Well, I just, I just don't. I'm not. <laughs> no, and I'm being serious about this. I'm not exactly sure which tournament you're talking about. Um, because right now, I mean, look, we said, to be fair, and again, we called this a must-win game, and I think it was. We did say if Indiana can go four and two down the stretch, they give themselves a chance. They still have five games. So there's a this there's a possibility out there somewhere in the ether, you know, in 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 some universe, there's a possibility where Indiana can go four and one down the stretch, but it couldn't seem more unlikely. So, I mean, is Indiana even on the bubble at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think they are in the sense that you know it's it's a pretty weak bubble this year, but you certainly you know to really feel like at this point, again, you're still projecting forward, but uh, you just can't see a scenario in which this team wins the games that it, the number of games it would need to win down the stretch, you know, to, to get in based on how they've played of late. The, the reality is that, you know, they haven't beaten, they've beaten one tournament caliber team and that was Michigan state. If you, if, and I would argue in another year, they'd be much closer to the, the edge of the bubble than they actually are. I mean, they've beaten one, essentially one good team since November 30th, you know, there's not too much you can say about that. They've lost five out of six. Um, could very easily have lost both games to Penn State, and and it's just hard to see a team playing this way being able to accumulate the wins that they need to accumulate from here on out to get there. Um, but I think for now they're still hanging around. But certainly, certainly a tough argument to make, just in terms of you know they're fifteen and eleven, five and eight in a in a down Big Ten. Um, it is is not really the recipe for it. So yeah, I don't really see a lot of hope but um things can change quickly if they're able to turn things around the problem is and i think that's you know kind of felt in the you know seeming fan apathy for the actual team i think the uh fan passion for coaching change is probably uh much more heightened than that but uh you know just in general i, I just don't see how um this team is going to pull itself out of the tailspin that it's in if it, if it couldn't show up and play any better than they did today and i think you know, to kind of circle that back to today, I think that was the most disappointing part to me was the first half when, you know, again, I, I tweeted this out at some point, like Michigan was bringing the fight and there were a whole bunch of guys that looked like they didn't want anything to do with it. And um, while there are a handful of guys that I thought, you know, I thought Jerron Davis and Newkirk, we talked about both of them. I thought they didn't really back down and, and did that, but there was a lot of other guys who just didn't really seem to want a, a piece of uh, of playing the way that they needed to play to really get back in the game. You know, and the thing is, like, where does Indiana basketball go from here? Because, I mean, just think about how manic the last two seasons have been. I mean, in mid-December of last year, it seemed absolutely crazy that by March we'd be talking about a team that won the Big Ten by, you know, by two games and Tom Crean is Big Ten Coach of the Year. And just like it seems crazy right now that on February 12th, given where this team was in mid-December and, and how that turnaround happened last year, that we're, you know, entertaining these conversations about, you know, coaching changes on a post-game show, you know, which we never discuss on post-game shows, but which, where else are you going to go with how the team is playing right now? You know, it's kind of, it's, it's crazy, uh, you know, to be talking about a new direction, but the program is just so manic. There is no stability. And I don't, you know, I don't know what we really hang our hat on as a program, and I'm not sure where the hope is moving forward, because I guess you can look at it that next year, 
and again, it would depend on which guys stay. You know, maybe you have a senior or two, but these are seniors that you haven't been able to count on for leadership. So do you expect the light suddenly to go on for them? In some ways it went on for Yogi. So maybe that's a reasonable expectation. But, you know, the recruiting class is a, is a group of solid players, but no one that seems to be a game changer as a freshman. And Ryan, I think this gets back to what you said to kick off the show. I mean, it leads you to a point where you certainly understand the, the I understand why some fans are feeling apathetic. We've put ourselves in this position of hosting a postgame show that even if we decided that we were apathetic, we kind of can't. So it helps to anchor us and ground us maybe a little bit. Oh, more. I fully considered calling in today and be like, nah, I can't do it today. Yeah. And, and again, that, you know, that's naturally not us. That's why we have this postgame show, because, you know, every game matters for a program. And, and just because Indiana may not make the NCAA tournament these last five games matter i mean every win and loss matters and and i I just i guess that's where i'm at like i don't know where where to go next it is hard to see the silver lining right now from a program perspective given what we've seen and given the manic nature of the program and the absolute roller coaster yeah no i mean if things don't turn around dramatically over these last five games i think it's fair to say that that this is probably it um uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the technical technical aspects of a buyout or things like that. That's just stupid. You know that that's for other people to worry about, not us. Um, what I would say is that I think that as you, you nailed it, it, said, "What do you hang your hat on as a program?" Well, player development and player development's been really good under Tom Crean. Uh, he's recruited well. I know I, there's a group of Indiana fans that say, "Well, he doesn't recruit the state well." Well, I don't care if he brings in the best players from the state. I care that he brings it brings in good players, and I don't care where they're from. And quite frankly, he's done that. The recruiting has not been an issue. Uh, player development hasn't been an issue. Academics haven't been an issue. I mean, he brings in kids who are, you know, other than a few notable exceptions. I'm going I'm to stop you because, okay, I think some of the recruiting concerns have been overblown, but also the fact that we have swung and missed on so many high caliber guys, especially the last two recruiting rounds, that hurts. It you does. Know? I I'm mean, not, no, you, no, you need no, guys no, like look. Yogi and Cody Zeller and those kind of guys to anchor you. And right now, Indiana doesn't have that. I, I, I get it. But I think that recruiting has also changed it, it, from the 90s, maybe. It, it, it's more of a national game because these kids play nationally. And so getting the guys from your state isn't as big a deal as it used to be. So guys from Indiana will go to Duke and North Carolina and UCLA because with AAU, they're playing all over the country anyway. It's not like they're, I want to stay home. They don't really care because if they're that good, they're probably only going to be in college for a year or two anyway. So I'm just saying that it's a different game than when these guys used to play their entire lives only in Indiana, grow up in Indiana, knowing only about Indiana and would go to Indiana because it's their home school. That doesn't really exist anymore. Now, there's some of it. Yeah, sure. But, you know, everybody's on national television. Kids become fans of other teams like it's just a different world. So I think if you're using that like we need to get the local kids, if you're using that as your barometer for a successful recruiter, uh, you're you're wrong. I mean, you just need to get good, solid players. And quite frankly, I prefer getting players who are going to be there more than one year. I know some people love doing the one and done thing. Maybe you need to do the one and done thing to win a national championship these days. I don't know. Um, but recruiting hasn't been the issue. And a lot of people. But you, have, but you also have to recruit to your style and to your program. I agree. And Crane needs agree. elite talent. You know, he elite talent can flourish under Tom Crean at times, you know, if there's a good internal structure and, and some of those things and that and that hasn't been there and it's you're not coming preaching the choir. What, what I was going to say was people are harping on recruiting. They're harping on this, whatever. The things that have been good under Tom Crean are, frankly, recruiting 
player development and academics and 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 bringing in for the most part aside from a few notable exceptions good kids who do what they're supposed to do um uh, you know as athletes uh, the problem has been all the on court stuff and it's been wildly inconsistent and it's been you know when there's a, va- a leadership vacuum his teams flounder and that's happened and you know what there are going to be years where you don't have super strong leaders and you've got to get through it somehow and he has not been able to figure out how to do that and that's that's a problem because you lose consistency as a program and you as you said what do you have to hang your hat on and and again it's things like player development recruiting and uh you know having good kids who graduate and do all that stuff well that's great but at some point you know Northwestern's had those things, has had some of those things for a long time, you know, good kids who graduate and all that, but they're not being successful at an elite program like Indiana. You've got to be able to do it all. And you've got to be able to do more consistently than Indiana has done in the last few years. And I will say, I agree with you in general on the argument about not recruiting the state, but the facts are the two biggest recruits for Tom Crean were Cody Zeller and Yogi Ferrell, who are both in state. Totally, guys, both totally true. Guys. And, to- and, and I agree. And I understand that. And I understand the push from people in Indiana to want to have Indiana kids. I get it. But at the same time, you know, if you're missing out on a certain guy and you get a comparable guy from elsewhere, I don't find that a problem. I find no, we that just got to get the comparable guy. Exactly. No, no. And that's that's yeah. what I mean. I mean, clearly, Cody Zeller and Yogi Ferrell were two recruits you can't miss on uh, because of what they would have meant and how they would fit the system and all that stuff. But I'm also saying that, you know, just recruiting your state and throwing a wall up around the state is not the key to winning basketball games at the NCAA level. Well, Andy, the, your and thoughts that, on this? Well, I, I think that's true. I, I think it's exaggerated by a couple things. One, when Crean first came in, he made it a huge focus and talked about locking down the, the state and all that kind of stuff. So it was a huge deal initially. And now it's kind of like, oh, well, that's not a big deal. I don't need to do that anymore. I, obviously, he's not saying that. But I think that's one thing where he set he set the expectation that this was a a, a priority and it has become less so. Two is then you play against other Big Ten teams and it magnifies itself when you know a parade of a parade of Indiana kids comes through and just beats the hell out of you like Zach Irvin did today, uh, and you know and in the first game and you got Swanigan as an Indiana kid who there, there was no chance of you really getting him I, I don't believe in the in the long run but you know again there's you know he's from there the Bryant McIntosh thing has probably been a little bit overplayed but again. He's the exact, you know, you look at him and say, this is the exact kind of guy that this year's team needs. Um, And so I think some of those things do get magnified in that regard. But I think a lot of it was, you know, kind of setting it up initially of this was a focus area and it was really important. And then all of a sudden it's not. Well, let's also remember, let me just step in real quick. Let's also remember, it's not like he's not recruiting kids from Indiana. Sometimes you just miss on guys. I mean, and he they and went after Wilkes. A lot of people thought Wilkes was coming, but that, Wilkes was locked into Indiana for a long time. I mean, that that was one where they went extremely hard after Wilkes, and he changed his mind late. And, and we can get into that another time. But he changed his mind late and went to UCLA. So, uh, you know, but it's not like they're not going after these guys. You know, I mean, sometimes you just miss. And sometimes guys have other opportunities they see that is a better path to, like, the NBA or something like that. Or they want to be one and done, and Indiana doesn't really do the one and done thing. 
And, and I think the issue is, you know, for a program like Indiana, you know, take a, a, a rough loss at Wisconsin. Like you can maybe in an isolated incident, take some positives from that and say, oh, that's, you know, kind of a moral victory. And in an isolated recruitment, you can say, oh man, you know, we didn't get that guy, but we've got these other guys. The problem is it feels like we're having to make excuse after excuse after excuse for these isolated incidents that have actually become a really negative trend um, for the program. And that's what's created the apathy. That's kind of what's created the lack of hope. Um, and it doesn't, you know, I, I often get this argument, you know, Kareen is such and such, you know, if you take out the Zeller years, well, that's dumb because you don't take out the Zeller years. Cody Zeller believed in Tom Kareen and came to Indiana. Like it's all part of it. It's not like everything has been bad. Um, but certainly when you see these trends and they just don't show any sign of improving, the empirical evidence stacks up at some point. Michael, let's get your thoughts on this real quick and then we'll start getting into last call. Yeah, I think it's kind of a combination of two things you guys have already talked about. I think part A of the frustration surrounding recruiting is that these guys from Indiana are going to other schools like Bryant McIntosh, like Zach Irvin, and they're flourishing and people are saying, okay, well, you know, at this point in time, this is what our program needs. And it'd be nice to have this guy and he's an in-state guy and, and we whiffed on him. And obviously that's frustrating. Um, but again, like Ryan said, you can't recruit the entire state. You're going to miss out on some guys. And another part of it is, is like you guys said, trying to find that replacement when you do miss out on these big guys like Chris Wilkes. Um, and Tom Crean has done that and he hasn't done that. He's flopped on some guys, but that's going to happen. You know, there's only so many elite recruiters out there that can get their in-state talent and get the top guys from New York or Ohio or Virginia or Texas or California when they're in-state when they're in-state guys flop. So I think that there's a lot of kind of unnecessary talk and, and criticism about this. You're going to miss out on guys if you're not a top tier recruiter, which there's only a couple of them right now in college basketball. So I think it's just a harsh reality that we have to deal with. And would it be nice if Preen could have snagged one of these two guys in the past couple of years that have flip-flopped last second? Yes. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's only so much you can do as a recruiter. And, and I think he's recruited well for the most part. And, and by, the way, think, by, by the way, I just want to say every recruitment is different. Yeah. So there are individual situations with every recruitment that can make one more acceptable of a, of a loss, quote unquote, than others. And that certainly has been the case with some of these recruitments for Indiana. The problem is the trend. Let me let me say two things real quick on this, because this has become an issue with people online. I'm hearing about it a lot. And I think a lot of it is in the wake of the Wilkes thing. And, you know, people have really are really disappointed about that. Um, two things. One. Kids who grow up and want to get out of the state of Indiana, like, no offense, I love Indiana, but if you got a chance to go to California or somewhere like that, or, you know, and experience something different, that's, you know, to a beautiful campus like UCLA. And it pains me to say that because I'm the opposite of a UCLA fan, but, you know, that's an opportunity for a kid to see something different and do something different. That I, that mentality didn't exist 20 years ago for these kids when they were growing up because all they knew was Indiana. They see the world now on these, you know, basketball tours they do with their AAU teams. On top of that, what I will say about Crean and recruiting is if you're harping on Crean and recruiting, you're missing the big story. Okay, recruiting hasn't been the issue. This team this year is wildly talented. The issue is what's going on on court and how they haven't matured and how they haven't played better and improved and gotten better. So if you're worrying about recruiting, you're missing the elephant in the room and you're you're finding something to complain about that is easy to complain about and missing what the big problem is. And I, I think I think issue. recruiting is like injuries this year. Recruiting is not the story, but it's an issue. It is an issue. Okay, it's just yeah, not the biggest fine. one and the biggest contributing factor. And but I think that's, that's fair. One, 
if if that's the one you're harping on, though, you're missing the bigger point. And the bigger point is that this team looks lost like teams yeah. before last season did for a few years. I mean, look, Maybe last the problem year, is we just have too many choices for what to harp on. I, I guess. I mean, <laughs> but last year, let's face it, last year was one of the most special years I've had as a fan of any sport of any sure. team ever. It was a wonderful, amazing year. And it turns out that it was probably a singular event where a bunch of forces came together like great senior leadership, like having people in the right position for this system. And it came together and created this really amazing ride that we all went on together. That's over now. And it's clear that this team is more representative of what we're going to get. And, and that's what the problem is. And, and, and I think that that's what people are sad about. And, and that's what they should focus on instead of all this ancillary stuff about like recruiting and, you know, how Tom does it. Tom Crean does his handshake line and his postgame comments like sh that stuff doesn't matter in the long run. What matters is the on-court product. And you can have bad recruiting classes and create a good on-court product. Um, but that just hasn't happened. And I think yeah. that I think that that's the thing people need to focus on and worry about. Yeah, I think yeah. I think the recruiting comes into play though because we, when we talk about the apathy, like everybody's kind of done with this year. So then your next logical place is to turn and see what's coming up next year. And when you look at it from that perspective, you don't really, you know, what what well, one, you have no idea who's going to be on the roster because they're oversigned by two. You don't really know. You have, certainly have reason to believe that there are guys who um, would could go pro, but don't really know. So you don't really know what your roster is going to look like. And then you're looking to see from a recruiting perspective. Are there things on there that are really going to improve the issues that this team has? And I'm not convinced that most people think that there are. Um, I am not the any kind of authority on recruiting or knowing what to expect from a lot of these guys. So I'm not going to present myself as such. However, you know, when you look at you know guys taking care of the basketball, really having leadership, you're probably not going to think a freshman leader is going to come in. Do you really have you know guard, ball handler, point guard type players coming in? No. Um, and so you just, it just leaves you, I think, to wonder that much more about, you know, the future, the roller coaster, the, uh, you know, wild swings one way or the other. And it actually doesn't make you feel great about the pendulum swinging back in the other direction in the same way that, um, you know, it swang last year, as you said. Hey, Ryan, you mentioned last year in comparison to how that team was being advertised in mid-December, how would you say that they finished the season? But they, they were, they were better than advertised, better. I would say. I think Indeed. so. I yeah. I mean, if I had to, if I had to think of something, I think that's what I would. That's what I would say. Um, hey, by the way, I just want to say this has been the weirdest post game show that we've ever done because we talked about the game for like eight minutes. I'm not sure we've ever talked about an actual game for less time than we have on did, this. Did episode we really need to call. talk about the game? No, I, I don't. I don't see anybody clamoring for and, breakdowns of uh, of Indiana's breakdowns today. I mean, yeah. Other than Deron Davis, is there anything anybody wants to talk about from this one? I mean, two interesting notes. Freddie McSwain Jr. had two offensive rebounds in eight minutes. He continues to have an unbelievable ratio of of offensive rebounds per minute. He also fouled out in eight minutes. I <laughs> I said that in our chat. I'm I'm not actually mad at Freddie McSwain for fouling out in eight minutes. I I'm actually impressed i don't know how he did it like that is that is some travis knight level fouling uh fantastic job also yeah no and the last thing i want to say andy i'm going to be interested to see the lineup breakdown because there were several times today where the mclineup played with mcswain and mcroberts and every single time i got ready to go on twitter and every time it was at least the first possession each time they played they scored and that's always been the issue is them offensively i know they scored at least eight points with those two guys on the floor together so and when you're tom crean and blackman jr and robert johnson aren't scoring and thomas bryant's not scoring i can't even be mad that he went to that lineup with us down 10 needing offense because 
it wasn't getting it anywhere else. So, yeah, no, there. Uh, I'll I'll have to look at that. There were just a lot of lineups. Period today, I would say, but uh, I don't know how those shook out specifically. So I'll see if I can. Uh, I'll see if I can get that answer for you quickly here. Uh, ha- happy Sunday, Andy. Yeah, good times. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up on the assembly call. Uh, we will, uh, we will get to last call address any lingering issues that any of you three have. Um, and we will, so we'll deliver our final thoughts and and our final thoughts in last call, of course, brought to you by our friends at Yogi's bar and grill in Bloomington, where you get 10% off of your food during IU basketball games. Yes. That's 10% off of your entire food order during games at Yogi's. And there's still at least five, well, at least six games left. Um, so get to Yogi's, take advantage of that and then hang around after have a beer. Uh, and watch the assembly call because we are there on the uh, being played on the screens. You can hear the audio too uh, after the games. The assembly call IU post game show at Yogi's. So last call coming next. Brought to you by Yogi's. Stick with us. All righty, you are listening to the assembly call IU post game show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Michael Dugan. Breaking down Indiana's loss to Michigan, uh, we are all obviously exasperated and disappointed by what we saw today. Um, and so, in a sense, I, I kind of apologize for the, the lack of actual game breakdown that we've given you today, because that's typically what we focus on during these shows. Um, but that's just kind of the natural way the show has progressed. I mean, we, we haven't really been interested in talking more about another really disappointing on-court performance. And I'm not sure that you all really wanted to hear more about that anyway. So hopefully you have enjoyed this discussion uh, as we've gone on. Guys, anything lingering from the game or big picture that you want to get into before we get to last call? Speak now. Nothing? Okay. I'm done. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, then let's go to last call. Michael, we'll let you uh, kick us off with some final thoughts here. I mean, here's the thing. I uh, Twitter's obviously fired up. You know, Tom Crean was trending for a period of time on Twitter. People are calling for his head like there's no tomorrow. I'm going to urge everyone to just relax for just a little bit. There is... There's a lot going on. Has the preparation for a lot of games been bad? Yes. Have there been some bad timeout management situations? Have there been bad substitutions? Have there been coaching flaws? Yes. But this team is 2-5 and five since OG went down. And OG was, was one of the biggest X-factors on this team, if we could even call him an X-factor anymore. He was one of the biggest contributors to this team. And we know James Blackman's been hurt. Maybe he's not 100% still. He's given it all he can you know, while he still can. So, you know, we can talk about the X's and O's forever. Um, unfortunately, we don't have the time for that. But, I mean, everyone right now just needs to relax. We need to take this one game at a time. Look, if they lose the rest of their games in embarrassing fashion, then, yes, we could all come together at the end of the season and say this is not the direction we want to be headed. You know, there needs to be a change at the co- at the coaching stop. You know, maybe that's what it comes down to. Or maybe this team turns it around and, and is right on the bubble come Selection Sunday with a couple good wins in their back pocket with Purdue, Northwestern, and the Big Ten Tournament and whatnot. So, I just want to urge everybody to relax a little bit. Let's take this one day at a time, take this one game at a time, because there is so much more going on right now than just bad coaching or just bad injuries. There's the, it, it's, it's a complicated equation that we can't solve right now. I love it. I love your attitude, Michael. I do. Um, all right, Andy, last call. I like that Michael's getting ready to step into your shoes, Jared, if you cannot manage to maintain your relentless optimism after the course of the season. Just so pushing good. him out the door. It's good to have someone in waiting, <laughs> just just in case. Uh, so to answer your prior question, this I'm not sure this will make anybody feel any better. Uh, the the lineup played together three times, plus five in nearly three minutes of action. Um, so if you want to look at it this way, they were those groups were plus five. All other lineups were minus 17. 
Um, there are four IU lineups to do better than uh, the score outscore Michigan by two or more points. Uh, two of those four featured the Mick lineup. So uh, nothing about this season makes sense. Official. That apparently is not the issue, and perhaps I should just leave it at that because I think that's the perhaps the greatest uh, you know small sample size explanation for uh, for this year. It just and and, th- and let me just reiterate about that. You know, I, I always hesitate about that because I don't want it to sound like a knock on those guys, but it is a testament to those guys how hard they play and the fact that they just hustle themselves into good plays. And I think if more folks on the team would lead by example with hustle and grit and determination to go make plays, we wouldn't be in in the, we wouldn't have the problems that we have. So I'm really glad that they shoved that constant commentary of mine right back in my face and actually produced today. Way to go, McRoberts, McSwain. Yeah, I, I mean, I really think Freddie has, you know, really, if you start to look at guys who have kind of improved or been able to try to find a, a role as the season went on, I think he's another guy that probably falls into that category. But, uh, you know, I, not too much to say that we didn't already. Just a disappointing effort given the circumstances. Uh, and I and I really thought that effort for one of the first times uh, of the year was, was more of an issue in the first half than anything else. I think they came out and tried to play hard. Uh, and played harder in the second half, particularly on defense for a little while. Um, but again, a, a lot of Michigan's decision-making, I think, really allowed IU to hang around. And even when there were chances for IU to capitalize on that, it always seemed like, you know, a bucket here gets it to a, you know, three-point, four-point game, and IU would have a, a terrible offensive sequence, and then Michigan would come down and hit a three and, um, you, you know, kind of have these, you know, multiple five-point swings where, uh, you, you know, any any chance they had seemed to get away from them. And so just... uh Really a disappointing effort given the circumstances, as I said. Um, disappointing loss, and uh, we'll see if they can they can shake it off come you know come Wednesday in Minnesota. Uh, you know, again, as we touched on on the radio show, there are a lot of these games on the stretch that are winnable. The teams that are in them are not playing all that well. Uh, IU included in not playing all that well, but. Uh, again, I think we've officially reached the uh, the show me portion of the season before any of us can really feel great about IU being able to turn things around toward the back end of the season. And uh, while it certainly is possible, I, I think uh, what we see on on Thursday or on Wednesday will uh, will tell us a lot about how things are uh, going to go from here. No question, Ryan. Last call. Uh, basically, my last call is just that something's got to change. Um, you know, this team has to pull off a miracle in the last five games to make the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't right now have much confidence in that happening. Uh, it's on the guys in that locker room, coaches and and players. There's it has nothing to do with their opponents. It's got to be that's got to change. It has has to all come from within, and they've all got to buy in and and want to do that. And today and and on the road at Michigan, it felt the same way. Today and on the road at Michigan were pretty much the same games. As from a standpoint, as far as I was concerned, from an effort standpoint, it just seemed like there were guys on the floor who didn't want anything to do with the game. And that's a problem. And those guys need to figure it out. And, and if, if they want to be basketball players in Indiana, they've got to figure it out and they've got to act like it and play like it. And, uh, you know, it's just it's sad because of how much potential this team has. And it's almost like they don't realize how much potential they have, even without OG, even without Colin Hartman, even banged up. These guys have so much potential and could do so much and so many great things as a group if they would just believe in themselves. And they clearly don't. They don't believe in themselves. They don't believe in each other. They don't trust each other. And and that's the one thing that last year's team had is they always relied on each other. They always communicated. They always stuck together no matter what was going on. And they found a way to win games even when they weren't playing their best. This team can't even win games when it does play up to a solid level because it makes 
other mistakes for itself. It, it screws other things up. And and so this team just needs to find itself if it's going to have any hope of, of, of making the NCAA tournament. And right now I just have zero confidence that that's going to happen. And that's, that's what makes me saddest about this whole thing. It is. I mean, I think confidence from a fan base comes from the team having belief in themselves and, and from having confidence. And when they don't, and it's so it's palpable and it's so obvious, it makes it really hard on fans to do it, too. Uh, um, you know, getting lots of tweets and comments about, you know, uh, you know, someone asked me, you know, you guys have finally seen the reality of the program and, and, and you know, some tweets suggesting this is kind of like an overnight change. Uh, in our tone and tenor, which I don't, I don't think is the case. I mean, we always try to be as balanced as possible. And the truth is that, you know, we've been really, really frustrated all season long. Um, you know, and I think it's been steadily building to this point. And now Indiana's lost what five out of six. And I mean, it's just at some point, you know, the, just the negative energy coming from, you know, from when you watch the games and the poor play and the inability to improve uh, in any way, it, it wears on you and it really starts to erode your ability to have hope, which is what we always try and do. And, and what we've always tried to do since we started the show is even in the face of the toughest, you know, uh, uh, situations for the program, you know, point out what there is to be hopeful about and what there is to be positive about. And not everything is awful. There's still, I mean, this is still Indiana basketball, but I think, you know, what's really important, I've always seen the role of a, of a fan and kind of to be a two-pronged thing. Number one is always to approach the role with a spirit of support, you know, so ask not what your team can do for you, but ask what you can do for your team. So don't just get, you know, frustrated when the team isn't playing how, how you want it to play. You know, can you find a way to be supportive? Can you find a way to pick another fan up who's struggling to just help the program overall? I think that coming at, at, at being a fan with a, a mindset of humility is an important thing to do. And it helps in any aspect of your life, not just being a sports fan. But I also think that our role as Indiana basketball fans is to uphold the standards of this program. Um, because coaches come and go, players come and go, but the fans, we are here and we will be here in 20 years, you know, in 30 years. And that standard that we hold so dear, not just for wins and losses and championships and banners, but also for the ideals, uh, that, that we feel are important to this program, having high character guys, you know, academics actually mattering all of those standards. We have to hold them as fans. We have to hold the program accountable to them as fans. And when any element of the program gets out of whack, it is up to us to voice our honest commentary on that, um, whether that be with our actual voices on a show like this, you know, or however else, you know, well-meaning fans choose to voice uh, that they don't believe that the standards of Indiana basketball are being upheld. And I don't think that you can watch the recent play, uh, especially of this team, you know, over these, you know, I mean, really for the last couple of months and say that this is Indiana basketball. And so given that, I just don't think there has really been any other choice but for us to respond to a loss like this uh, as we did today. So, you know, it's still Indiana. There are so many uh, elements of this program, the tradition, the resources uh, and the people in the program. Uh, so many of them, um, you know, that make this uh, a program that can get this thing turned around. We'll see if that happens this year. I don't think there's a whole lot of reason for hope. We'll, of course, keep watching and keep trying to find as many positives as we can, even if that gets harder to do. Um, but again, you know, we we have to hold the program accountable to the standards of Indiana basketball. And right now, uh, I don't think there's any, any way else to say it, but this program is falling short of those standards. And hopefully that's something that we don't have to wait for next season to see turn around. Hopefully that's something that as soon as the next game, we can see you know, maybe a little more light at the tunnel or some change. And it's unfortunate that we can't have more confidence in that based on the way the team has played. 
But that is where we are right now in the 2016-17 season. Uh, our next game is Wednesday night, February 15th. It is a 9 o'clock Eastern tip against Minnesota on the Big Ten Network. Um, that is at the barn, a place that we hate. My bold prediction is that Indiana would win that game. I'm not feeling as good about that bold prediction right now, but I'm not changing it either. Uh, so hopefully the Hoosiers can, can go up there and just get something going. So have something good happen um, so that we can get the, at least the rest of the season pointed in a better direction, no matter if it ends with a tournament or not. Just something good to happen for this program. That's what we need right now. And unfortunately, we didn't get it today. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Assembly Call. We will talk to you after IU Minnesota. Have a good one. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine.